0: Well, good morning, Timberlake Church. How you doing? Good. It's good to see you. I just want to take a minute and welcome those at all the other campuses and those watching online, my favorite campus of all. You can wear your pajamas and sleep in and just be by yourself. So I keep telling Pastor Ben, would you please start a broadcast campus in some place really nice, like like Maui, and then invite me to come and guest speak. Uh, and he said, you know, it's a little far away for that kind of stuff. I said, well, I'll settle for Scottsdale because how many of you are tired of the rain uh, yeah, I feel like it's October, even though it's basically summer, which lasts about two weeks in Seattle, and so we just got to embrace the 70-degree the weather when it's coming out. But as Chris said, uh, I was the Issaquah campus pastor here at Timberlake for about four years. Uh, my wife is here joining us today, and I have three lovely kids. They are three, four, and now six. Which sounds better than three, four, five, which they were two weeks ago. And uh, I got two out of diapers, one in. And so we're making progress, not perfection, but we're making progress. And so I'm excited to be here. And uh, Ben said, for every nice thing I say about him, um, he's gonna ask me to come back again. And so I have three things. I want to say this morning, actually that's not really true, but I do have three things. And so my time here at Timberlake was a very um, good season for my family and for, um, for our kids. And so I thought I would just give you a little insight into some things that you don't know about Ben. And, uh, and he's not here, so he can't defend himself. And uh, so actually I want to give you a couple things I learned. And one of the things I learned while being here at Timberlake from, from your pastor is that the little things add up to become the big thing. And the second thing I learned was that everyone matters no matter who you are, old, young, no matter your ethnic background, no matter your affluence or lack thereof, that every person matters. And so if this is your first time at Timberlake Church, no matter whatever campus you're at, this is a great church where people matter. And the third thing I learned is do not challenge Pastor Ben to a arm wrestling contest uh, because for his old age, He's quite feisty and actually very strong. And so that's my premise for today. And so let's get to the talk. And uh, on the way in, you received a program inside of that program. There's a place to take some notes. So if you take those notes out, we'll get right to it. We're talking about grown-up faith. And and the premise here is that there's actually a better life that God has for you. And that better life requires something. That better life requires what what I'm calling today grown-up faith. And uh, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, hey, will you just... Grow up, right? Uh, Maybe you've been on the receiving end. Maybe you've been the giver. Maybe it's been in your significant other relationship, and that's never a good way to start that conversation. Maybe it's been with your kids, both young and teenagers, right, who act like they're young. Uh, Hey, just grow up. And here's what I've discovered being a parent and being in ministry. uh, Saying just grow up to someone has never worked in the history of the universe. It's like telling my three-year-old, hey, just stop crying, right? Never. Never, never, never in the history of the world has telling a three-year-old to stop crying actually you have them stop crying. It actually makes it worse. And so my goal is not to burden you with, hey, just grow up in your faith. Get the better life that God has for you. I want to give you some tools. And hopefully today you have an aha moment where you go, you know what? I didn't realize I was doing that. I didn't realize I was seeing it that way. And not in a, a, a high shame level, but we have a low shame level here at Timberlake. And so I want you just to evaluate going, okay, do I do that? Is that a part of my spiritual journey? And if it is, I'm going to give you some ways to get out of doing those things that are preventing your faith from growing up so that you can have the better life that God has for you. How many could say, I, I could use some better in my life, right? Better, better job, better, better, better relationships, better kids who aren't crazy. I mean, there's just there's a lot of room for better. And if you take good notes this morning and you Put it to work in your life. I believe that you'll watch this grown up faith begin to, to be a part of your everyday life and you'll experience this better life that God has for you. Well, I have my own grown up story and I was the perfect child growing up. Uh, like literally perfect. A, a parent's dream, would, some would say. Uh, smiling, loving, kind, never cried, went to bed when I was supposed to. And that all ended abruptly when I entered high school and became uh, the worst uh, parent's nightmare you could imagine. And so I went to a private Christian school uh, here in the, on the east side. And uh, I was not really an athletic guy. I played golf, so that doesn't really count. Uh, but, but all my friends were, were like total sports guys. And so our school, because it was so small and we just could hold on to the one sport everyone was good at, was soccer. And so we were a B school, which means there's basically like three other schools you compete against. And so we were a B school. We, we won soccer every year. And so we were going into the district championships for first and second seed. And so all my friends were standing here at the, at the girls' games waiting for the other one to start the next day, and they said, you know what, someone should go to the school's field that did what they, to our field, what they did this last year. So we had this other school we played, I won't mention the name, but it, it, it's very similar to a place in, in Bellevue where you can have babies. It's another private Christian school here in the area. And they had come to our soccer field and poured gas all over our field, and desecrated it. And so sure enough, I'm going into my senior year, we're going into districts, and all the soccer players are like, hey, someone should do what they did. And I, I said, I'll, I'll do it, no problem. And they're like, oh yeah, whatever, Reese, because everyone called me by my last name in high school. I said, no, no, I'll do it. And so I grabbed three or four of my friends at 3 a.m. the next morning after we'd gone to the hardware store and gotten our supplies. We showed up at their soccer field and began to spray paint uh lots of things very christ-like things like the kingdom of god is here you know quotes from the book of psalm and revelation not really we actually wrote 99 looking so fine you guys and fill in the blank it was bad okay and we felt pretty good about our vandalism and then went back to school to our christian school our christian school the next day and began to be stupid and tell everyone what we had done and uh Just here, if you do something wrong, just don't tell a bunch of people. And so the principal started calling everyone in, the soccer team, one by one. And we threatened them all. Now, I'm not a big guy, but I had big friends. That's called strategic moves. And so I I had all my friends basically tell the soccer team, if you rat us out, there will be consequences. And sure enough, it went through the line. No one rat us out until the very end. And then the nicest Christian kid on the face of the planet began to spill his guts about who had been involved in this strategic uh, really what we call encouragement of our soccer team that we were trying to really help them win. And so we, we, uh, we all got called in, of course, because we had a private Christian school. We lied to the principal's face and said, we have no idea what you're talking about. And we had this great alibi set up, and, and eventually we actually had to tell them. And for the next three months, we mowed grass, and we sent apology letters, and we got um, suspended. And, and uh, it was embarrassing. And uh, here's what the principal said to us as he sat us in his office. Why don't you guys just grow up? Why don't you guys just grow up? The funny thing is, it didn't actually help us. There was no tools. It was just, "Hey, grow up. Hey, just stop crying. Just grow up." It never helped us, but it was the, the, the cry of his authority, "Just grow up." And sometimes it's like that in our spiritual life. We come to church we hear messages or we have a friend who's a really strong Christian. We feel like we're, we're missing something and they're just at them like, hey man, just, just grow up in your faith. But sometimes people get stuck. And there's a variety of reasons. I'm going to give you a few of them this morning that will help you go, hey, that's maybe why. That's why it's preventing me from personally growing up, why I'm stuck in my faith. And so before we get there, I thought I would show you some pictures of other people who have gotten stuck before uh, in life. And so here it is. Now, if you're a cat lover, I apologize, okay, it's one of the few animals I don't swerve for, and, uh, and uh, your pastor's the same, okay, this is what I call the Superman, this is a bad day at Chuck E. Cheese, okay, it, it turned in sideways, he's stuck, and you know what, here's the thing, the parents are all loving this and taking a picture, and so next one, this is my favorite, okay, yeah, I know, right, all the dog lovers are like, oh, now listen, don't judge, that's a fashion statement, okay. Come 2030, this is what all the dogs will be wearing. And, and so, sometimes life is like this, though. We, we feel like the, the kid who turned his head sideways and like, I don't know how to get out. So I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you get unstuck this morning and give you three reasons why people don't grow up in their faith. Number one, we don't know the big picture of what God is doing in the world One of the primary reasons people don't grow up in their faith is because we don't understand the big picture of what God is doing. We don't understand it. We see this this micro view of our life instead of the macro view. Here's what the scripture is this morning on our notes. It says this out of Ephesians. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ From him the whole body, joined and held together to every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, that's the NIV. I want to read it out of the message paraphrase. It's not a direct translation, but it's Eugene Peterson, and I like him, and it's a paraphrase. It says it this way. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us, notice this, in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us, that means giving us what we need so that we will grow healthy in God, robust in love. See, there is a better life But it requires us to grow up. But in order to grow up, we have to see the big picture of what God is doing. One of the greatest things, if you've never been a part of it, I know Timberlake has mission trips to go on. One of the greatest ways to see the big macro picture of what God is doing is to get out of the east side. Okay? Get on a missions trip. If your kids are crazy, take them on a missions trip and go, listen, this is how the world really operates. And they get this, instead of a micro view, where everything's cropped and it's just right here, it's this big picture. And you realize, wow, God is really in charge. God is really in control. The world is so much bigger than my momentary pain or frustration and discomfort. And in order for us to grow up in our faith, we have to see the big picture. And oftentimes what we like to do is crop out all the stuff we don't like and just focus on the little but in order to get where we need to go, we have to see the big picture. And so it says this in Psalm 24, verse one. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So this is what God is saying. Hey, I'm in charge. It's all mine. Don't worry about it. Don't think micro, think macro. I know it hurts. I know it's frustrating. I know the thing you're going through is overwhelming, but I'm in charge. It's gonna be okay. And so the premise here this morning for all of us is that there is a better life for you. And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, I came in with doubts, I'm not even a Christian, this is a great church to be in, but I want you just for the next 20 minutes to go, okay, the premise that there's a better life, I wanna get there. In order to get there, we have to see the big picture. Number two, why don't we grow up in our faith? We want faith without the cost. Here's the deal, God has a better life for you, but it's his way. It says this in the scripture, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will be it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit? That means give up their soul. Well, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So there is a cost to faith. And for us to grow up, we have to realize what are the costs. And the cost is control. I heard it said before, the greatest illusion in life is actually control. And so often we obsess over what we actually have no control over. And that prevents us from actually growing up in our faith. And so number three, why don't we grow up in our faith? This is really important. We try out faith instead of training in faith. I know some of you are thinking, oh, that's just like a little nuance. It's important. Over the 18 years of doing ministry, working at churches, I've seen a lot of people try things. They've tried churches. They've tried groups. They've tried you know, showing up on certain holidays. They've tried out, tried out new jobs. They've tried out new relationships. And listen, the detriment to growing in faith is just trying. And instead, this morning, I want to propose to you that you actually start training in faith. See, there are some, some rules you can't break. Like, I know that if I want to be fit... I can't go to Shake Shack three times a week and have a double cheeseburger, even though my body really enjoys it. I know that if I wanna be fit, I actually have to go to the gym and not just talk on my phone in the parking lot for an hour, taking a phone call and then leaving and feeling like I actually accomplished something. I've done that before. Or, or you walk into the lobby, this is even worse, and instead of going to the spin class your wife is going to, you're like, that's too hard, I'm gonna read my Wall Street Journal and my smoothie and sit in their nice couch next to the fireplace and feel like you accomplished something. Okay, that's trying. It's not training. I know that if I want to get physically fit, and I know you can tell I have a trainer, if I was going to get physically fit, I need a trainer. Because here's what a trainer's going to do. Actually work out my issues. And sometimes we just try faith. We just try, we just try, we just try. And I want to, I want to encourage you to get trained. That's why we have a great uh, Sunday class called OnRamp, first Sunday of the month, where you can actually get trained. See, here's what a trainer does, and the trainer has done for me. Hey, Brian, uh, text me a picture of yourself this week. You, you haven't done that. I said, well, that's kind of weird. Why, why do you want a picture of me? And make sure you take your shirt off. And, and I said, well, uh, that's really awkward now. And I know what you're thinking. His wife's his trainer. She's not. And so that makes it even more awkward. And and, and he's like, send me a picture of the scale. Send me what you're eating. Why? Because he's training me. And so I think I've worked out. I go to the gym. Have you ever seen that person? Jeans, dress shoes. Okay, it happens. That's not training. Here's how I know I've trained. I cannot move the next day. If I had here, I couldn't wash it, right? Because your arms are so sore because you've been worked out. And for some of us, we just have tried faith. But what I want you to do is actually get trained in faith, get into a growth group, get on a mission trip, go to on-ramp, find yourself someone who can cheer you on when it's good, who can cry with you when it's bad, and the reason why we don't get the better life that God has promised us, because we're not willing to count the cost and get trained in our faith. Here's what Henry Cloud says about relationships. One of the best books, if you've never read it, How People Grow, he says it this way, Action is always integral part of growth. Spiritual growth does not just happen to us. It requires a great deal of, notice this, of blood, sweat, and tears. I wish it wasn't so. Here's what the scripture says, and I'm going to read it to you here on the screen. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present Life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior, notice this, of all people and especially of those who believe. Now I'm going to read it to you out of the paraphrase and it's really going to hit home for you. You've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. I love how he puts it. No spiritual flabbiness, okay? No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. See, it's one thing to work out physically. It's another thing to work out spiritually. And if you want to have a grown-up faith, you have to stop trying and start training. So how do we grow up in faith? I'm going to give you a few things, and we'll get out of here and enjoy Memorial Day weekend. Okay? The reason or how we grow up in faith is we have to engage our whole selves in the process. We have to engage our whole selves in the process. Here's a great scripture. It says it this way. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. If we're gonna have grown up faith, we have to engage our whole selves in the process. And there's those three parts of us, the the mind. Okay, so I have this great graphic you'll see on the screen. We have the mind, the mind. We have the heart, And then we have the will. And we have these three circles, and here's how it looks. Oftentimes we focus on one of these and neglect the others. And this beautiful intersection in the middle is where I call full-grown faith. And the closer you get to working on these three areas, the mind, the heart, and the will the closer they come together and when they come fully together with Jesus at the center this is a beautiful picture of having full grown faith which leads us to the better life that God has for us but oftentimes we just do whatever is easiest for some of us the mind which requires biblical knowledge to be fully grown we're like i got that i've read the bible i have a daily bible reading thing i do that it's It's the Bible requires biblical knowledge, okay? And then if we get to the heart, the heart actually requires spiritual intimacy, okay? So don't let that word intimate, like, make you nervous, okay? If it makes you nervous, you could say it this way, spiritual depth. If we're gonna have full-grown faith, the heart requires spiritual intimacy, spiritual depth. Proximity to God. Tomorrow is closer than it was today. If we wanna have full-grown faith, our will requires holy obedience okay now don't let that word holy scare you now the bible says that god is holy and so in order to obey his commands we have to have what holy obedience so it's not a scary word it's actually a biblical word that's very important because god is so holy that we have to obey his holy commands with holy obedience And so we have the mind, which requires biblical knowledge. The heart, which requires spiritual intimacy or depth. And the will, which requires holy obedience. And if we work on all three of those, eventually as they intersect and become one, we have a full-grown faith. Here's the concern for me as a pastor and for our communities, if we focus on one and not the others, here's what happens. If you focus on just the, the mind, right, you're a Bible person. You love the Bible. You read your Bible. Here's what I know to be true. If you neglect the others, you become what we call a mean Christian. Anybody ever met a mean Christian? Oh, they're the worst, right? And some of you are like, wow, I can't believe he pastor is saying that. Ben will be, pastor Ben will be back next week. Right? Bible knowledge. If all you know is the Bible, you're a truth giver. But often I've realized that truth givers aren't very good at living truth. And so if you're a Bible person, but not a heart person and a will person, you're what we call a mean Christian. Because remember we read in Ephesians that it's truth in love. Truth without love is just mean. And love without truth is actually not good either. And so you can't just have Bible knowledge. you got to get into the heart where you get close to God. But if all you are is a heart person, you're what we call a weird Christian. Right? I just am close to Jesus. Me and Jesus, we're like together all the time. We're, uh, we're here in Seattle for the weekend, and we're staying in a conference, and there's actually a big Christian conference at our hotel, and I won't tell you which one it was because you'll look it up, and, and then you'll write a blog about it or something, but it's kind of weird to be honest with you because we've noticed that in our little club where we can get free hors d'oeuvres and stuff, there's like prayer circles happening, and people in the elevator are handing out tracts to people they don't even know, and I'm like, Please don't ask me what I'm doing this weekend. Please don't ask me what I'm doing this weekend. Please don't ask me what I'm doing this weekend because you're the epitome of why I have to beg people to come to church because you're weird. You don't know this person. You're never gonna see him again. And I believe in sharing your story, but I'm like, don't be weird. So if you're an intimate, depth, proximity person, please read the Bible because if it didn't happen in the Bible, you shouldn't be doing it, right? And so we don't, we have a no weird stuff policy here, okay? And then the will, holy obedience. Here's what's happening if you only obey the rules. You become what we call a legalist. And when you search the scriptures, Jesus, the only people he often corrected publicly, were religious legalists. They loved the rules, but they didn't want the relationship. And I've always said it, rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. Rebellion. And so you can't just have a rule keeper because you become a legalist. And those are the people that Jesus often said, hey, hey, it's about me. Once you get me, then you can wholly obey what I tell you to do. But don't just obey without relationship. And so if we wanna have the better life that God promises us, we have to get some Bible knowledge in our mind. So get in a growth group. We have to actually get into a heart. So be close to God, but just don't be weird. We have to get, have the will we have to have the will going, okay, God, I'm just, I, that, that rule makes me uncomfortable. Like, it makes me a little uncomfortable in church when they talk about giving my money. It makes me a little uncomfortable when they talk about fill in the blank. But if you said it, you let your will become his will. You know, oftentimes as a communicator, uh, we, we, we speak for a living, right? And so... It's always challenging to share a a talk or a message and then have to actually live it out while we're preparing it. And so about six months ago, my oldest, who was five and now six, Riker, um, we noticed that he was doing something that we've never seen before. And so he would kind of tilt his head. And, uh, you know, he's very loving and kind. I just thought he was trying to get closer to dad in all the pictures and, and then we noticed that his eye was doing kind of like this weird, like, floating thing. And so we took him to the doctors. I say, we. My wife took him to the doctors. And, and, uh, and they said, well, you know, there's something wrong with his eye. And we're like, okay. He's like, and they're like, you probably need one of those patches. And so, you know, uh, I said, hey, dude, it's going to be like Halloween all the time. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you're going to have to be a pirate for, like, six months possibly. And he thought that was awesome, right? What five-year-old doesn't want to be a pirate for, like, a while, and then so, but we then got a phone call saying, "Hey, we're going to need your pictures from your kid from when he was born, because we just need to kind of look at some things." I said, "Well, have you ever seen my iPhoto or my There's like sixty thousand pictures. Like, how many do you need?" And he's as many as you can give us, and so we gave him all these pictures. And uh, the doctor, the ophthalmologist, pediatrician, looked at all of them and said, "We can't actually tell if this was from birth or if this was something new." And so we said, "Well," Why does it matter? Now, if you're looking for hope, don't go to a doctor, okay? Uh, go, go make an appointment with Pastor Ben or Pastor Shane or Chris, they'll help you. But doctors sometimes is not, not hope-filled. in. So they say, well, if it wasn't from birth, he could have something seriously wrong with him. I'm like, like what? Like So I don't have to Google it later, like, like what? And so they said, well, he could have, and they named off a bunch of diseases that I Googled later because I didn't know what they meant and uh, don't do that, and then she said, the worst could be a brain tumor, and uh, I said, well, how did we go from, a, like, an eye exam to a brain tumor, like, that happened really quickly, like, we feel like we progressed, have we done enough tests, and so we're going to have to do an MRI where we put him under because he's too young, and, you know, if you're a parent here, your heart sinks, and, you know, I I, I started thinking about all the plans I have for Riker, and thinking he's only almost six, like, how is he gonna grow up and have a family and, and uh, join the PGA and make a lot of money and support mom and dad when we get older? Like, this is my dream for him. Uh, and, and it's true, Asked my wife. And, and, and my heart was sinking as I'm writing this message. And so I'm sitting in my living room getting ready for Sunday services at our church called Rock Creek in Marysville. And uh, I'm struggling Struggling, and uh, I'm writing a message about grown-up faith for a better life. And I'm sitting in my living room; everyone is asleep. Oh my like, God, this is not the better life that you promised me. And so I had a decision. I had a moment to go. Okay, God, what is the big picture? Is this part of the training that I've been so eloquently writing about? <laughs> What are you doing? And so here's what I did. I got out my Bible and I went to Romans 8 and it says this Not all things are good, but God will work together all things for his good, for those who are loved and called according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. So I anchored my mind to the Bible, to scripture. And I began to talk to my heart and so I put on my favorite worship song right now. It's called As You Find Me from a great band called Hillsong, and I began to worship down in my living room. No one around, everyone was sleeping. And At that point, I didn't really care because I was struggling. I know you're like, "Wow, a pastor struggles? Yeah, no perfect people allowed. It's about making progress. And so I worshiped my way through my worry. I said, God, it, you're faithful. You're faithful. My confidence is not in my own ability to be a good parent. It's out of my control now. My confidence is in your faithfulness. So I begin to worship. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I had this thought. If you study the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are called gospels in the New Testament. Jesus only taught his disciples to do one thing. He didn't teach them how to preach. He didn't teach them how to run small groups. He he taught them how to pray. And when he taught them how to pray, he said these emphatic words that ring true today. God, not my will, but your will be done. So maybe here today, you're going through a tough moment. I've been there. I'm still there. We had the MRI. They made us wait 24 hours. What is wrong with them? And then we got the call. And it's kind of nerve-wracking, because you put it on speaker, and you're like, just say yes or good for bad. <laughs> like, like, what's going on? Just, just, well, you know, and they you know, have to do their whole thing so they don't get sued or whatever. And said so everything was clear. And it was like, oh. That's not the end of the story. We still got some things to do. And he might end up being a pirate for a few months, but he was okay with that. But I'll just never forget the, the relief. And I went back to my message and I thought, gosh. Thank you. Thank you for helping me grow up a little more in my faith. Unfortunately, sometimes it's the hard things that help us grow up the most. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm going through a challenge. God has a better life for you, but it's time we grow up. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting timberlakechurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.